Thanks for listening to the show. Join us online at playvolutionhq.com and learn how to support the show at explorationsearlylearning.com slash support. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Kick back, settle in, and let us fill your ear holes with early learning information, wisdom, and advice. And now, here's Heather and Jeff. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Jeff Johnson here with Heather Shoemaker. Heather, we had uh, over the uh, Christmas and New Year's and Hanukkah and everything else holiday season, a lot of holidays going on at the end of the year. Um, we had a, a listener request that we talk more about weapons play. They'd heard our, our, our series. We did two episodes back, episode 87 and 88, with, uh, with uh, gun, gun Safe Mom about uh, keeping weapons safe from kids and that kind of stuff. And we touched on weapons play a little bit in those episodes. But it turns out in our 111-ish episodes, we haven't ever really dug fully into the topic. So I was hoping that we could kind of flush out weapons play for parents and caregivers out there in the world. And there's a, there's a lot going on here, so I'm guessing it's going to turn into to more than one episode. So where where do you want to where do you want to jump in? Well, right at the beginning. Oh, that's a good um, place. Uh, children, young kids tend to be very interested in weapon play. And not all kids. So if your kid isn't that interested, don't worry, they're still a fine human being. <laughs> but if you have a child who's very interested in this, they are also still a fine human being. And just because they have a creative play interest in weapon play right now doesn't project anything into the future. They're, it doesn't mean that they're going to be violent or dangerous or any of the or cruel or any of these things that we worry about. Um, but what can happen if we smush that play and suppress it is that they get all kinds of um, uh, creative ideas suppressed and emotional feelings suppressed and don't really get to work out the ideas they need to work out. It can, it can set them back and get them pretty mixed up and confused. So don't worry about their future gangster life. Yeah. One, um, one focus of... on the three-year-old or the seven-year-old or whatever age it is that you have in front of you. And um, be willing to take off your adult glasses and just look at the child, look at how he or she is playing, and what she's really doing in real life, how she's treating other people during the play, rather than getting freaked out. It's very easy. This is a big emotional topic for us as adults. Kids kind of get it. They get it that it's okay play, and they don't understand what our hang-ups are. Um, but we as adults need to recognize that this is tricky stuff, um, and people of grown-up ages are all over the map on this. And you yourself may be at one point today and be at another point a few years down the road. So be, be open to um, change that may happen as you watch kids play. 
One one thing, I, one really concise way of, of summing this this piece of it up is uh, Dan Hodgins says that we need to stop making moral issues out of developmental issues, and I think that that comes into play with this. We we read a lot of good kid, bad kid, good thing, bad thing behavior ideas into the weapons play when when really we need to step back and and set that aside and and see the developmental piece that's going on here. And uh, and that that's that's like you say that's a a real touchy thing, hard thing for some adults to do because, because it is a kind of hot button, heavy friction kind of, uh, kind of uh, topic for for a lot of us. Um, yeah. Where where do we go from here? So it's going to be a, a thing that some kids, not all kids, kids do. And so when it first starts happening, what wh- how how do we respond to this? When we, even if we decide to set the moral things aside and, and look at the developmental stuff, where do we go as, as parents and caregivers when, when kids start showing an interest in this kind of play? Well, the first thing is I would always say is to keep the, the golden ren and again rule in mind, which is if it's not hurting people or property, it's okay. And I'm talking about real-life people, real-life property, not the imaginative world they may be creating. So is, is there play? And this is whether they're playing with dolls or whether they're playing with swords. It doesn't matter what prop they're using. Are they actually hurting anybody? Are they hurting bodies? Are they hurting feelings? And are they hurting, you know, the goldfish tank or the lamp or mm-hmm. something like that? And if they're not, then the only other limit it might be is, well, is, is it too loud? In which case, send them outside or something. Is there something else about the play that you're finding needs, needs a limit? Mm-hmm. Um, but if the idea is just that it's they're exploding things or they're um, having sword play or they're, they're, they're wanting to pretend they have bows or toy guns or any kind of weapon, lasers, you know, um, lightsabers, it doesn't really matter what the object is. Yeah. But... Is that kind of play okay? And the answer from a child development point of view is yes, unequivocally yes. It's more how they treat people in real life. Um, so weapon play, and we get fooled by this because that, that quote you gave from, from Dan is, is very apt. Um, we as adults get fooled because we jump to that. We put the morals on, mm-hmm. and we start assuming a lot of things. But this kind of play is typically really social, yeah. very creative. It, it brings in all kinds of brain development um, of the highest level, especially if the child is um, you know, playing with other kids. They have to work out who's the bad guy, who's the good guy, what's going to happen, what the rules are of the game. Um, and that's, that develops a lot of social, emotional thinking skills. When we stop that kind of play, we're stopping their highest learning. Yeah, yeah, um, they're, they're, and, and they're also. Oh, go ahead. Oh, well, I was going to say, in, uh, along those lines, there's so much self-regulation going on in this play. Um, as an example, if you're if you if you get shot with a with a with a arrow and it's in your shoulder, you get you gotta you gotta run around having a sore shoulder. You have a, pretend like you have an arrow in your shoulder for the next five minutes until somebody pulls it out, and and so you got to take that on. If you get shot and you're dead, you gotta you gotta stay dead until whatever rules the kids have created in their in their play lets you come back. to 
to life. And that kind of self-regulation, the staying in character, staying in the game, is is practice for self-regulating in in other parts of the of, of their life, waiting waiting their turn to uh, to uh, get to the drinking fountain or something later in the day, and and being patient in in class while the teacher's dealing with another student. And so there's lots of valuable ready for school learning going on in this kind of play as well. Amazing, isn't it? You know, it's funny because if you see a child playing dead, mm-hmm. which happens a lot in this kind of play, and that's all we can get into that, but a lot of that is about the children grappling with the idea of mortality. They're just learning that they're going to die someday in real life, that we uh-huh. are mortal beings. So there, there's a lot of death play that in, in this weapon play, but yeah. a lot of that's very moral and spiritual, you could say. Anyway, you have a child playing dead in this kind of game, and he, this is a kid who's always running around, always loud, always moving, <laughs> and there they are, lying still uh-huh. and for quiet. 10 minutes, <laughs> you know, because they are fully in the character, they're fully in the game. And yeah, that self-regulation is, is kicking in and working overtime because they are so committed to being and, part of this game that they're able to lie still and quiet. And, and we got, <laughs> I think how the game goes. I think we got to pause and, and, and really look at how amazing that is because that same child could not sit still for that five or eight minutes in circle time with with you as the adult, no matter how much they may want to please you and do that, but in in this this universe of play they've created, they're able to do that with their peers, and I I, I find it amazing and also practice for being able to do it in in real life when uh, when 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 they get there, and uh, we we just don't we don't peel we don't peel the uh, weapons play onion enough sometimes to to see all those those marvelous little bits of of development. And learning that are going on. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's wonderful um, if you start flipping your eyes and seeing all the good good sides of this kind of play. Um, and it, kids can do it. Kids can lie still like that or, or do what's needed in the game because it's meaningful. This play is so meaningful to them. And I'm not just saying weapon play is yeah. more meaningful than other play, but it's a kind of play that attracts kids. And it attracts them because it's meaningful to their development, to their ideas, to their emotions, to their fears, to their um, to their friendships. It's since it's meaningful, they're going to do anything to be part of it, and that can be all for the good, like you said, so learning to self-regulate. Um, but because it's meaningful to them and they're interested in it, they're also going to do anything they can to be part of it. So if you start banning things mm-hmm. like no toy weapons in the house. They are going to find a way to play with those toy weapons. <laughs> you know, um, there's, there's a story I tell that the director of um, the School for Young Children years ago, when she was raising her own kids, she was a um, pacifist, and um, she drove, and you know, this is the 70s, so she was driving a bright orange, um, I think it was orange, VW van <laughs> with all the peace signs on it, and her kids were going to be love and sunshine. And so when her oldest child, who was a boy, got interested in toy weapons and wanted to play with the neighbor kid, she didn't allow toy weapons uh-huh. in the house. And the neighbor kid had a toy weapon, and so her child went into the bathroom, got the toilet plunger, and ran around outside <laughs> shooting with the toilet plunger because he needed a toy weapon uh-huh. to play the game. So over time, she's become one of the biggest advocates for 
supporting children's creative play. And Troy Weppett had a complete 180 turnaround, realizing that her sweet child was still her sweet child, but he had a need for this kind of play. I, I, I love that story, Heather, and I've heard I've heard many variations of it because I think this this happens to a lot of of uh, especially first time parents. They they just they they're it's kind of like getting hit in the face with a frying pan. Maybe the realization sometimes that that this thing that they were opposed to is actually okay and 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 beneficial for their kids, and then being able to go with the flow like uh, like the person in your story did. I, I love that transformation, and I think we gotta when we, when we come to the the whole morally side of this, we've got to realize we as adults can have our opinions about weapons and the real world, and play is a different world and and so we can have differing opinions in in how we approach the topic in those in those two in those two different worlds and and still be honest with our with our our adult beliefs in the real world i don't know if i said that well but um yeah. i hope you hopefully it comes so across adults ca- caring adults who support young children can support young children's weapon play, and the same caring adults can be on opposite ends of the spectrum as far as what we do about real weapons yeah. in, in the real world. But we, we need to come together um, and, and support young children's play. So what are your what are your thoughts on I think we could come back into a whole episode on and just really breaking down the learning that's going on. Um, I was wondering about your thoughts on on the the toys themselves. Are you cool with store bought stuff? Would you prefer DIY stuff? Is it all good? Where where do you come down on that? Um, I'm kind of all over the place. I think that. Um, the, the more jazzed up an object is, the less creative play in general happens. So, yeah. And, and I'm not thrilled with batteries. <laughs> you uh-huh. know, they have environmental impacts, and we don't need to go. Th- we, the, the play usually gets reduced the more jazzed up things are. Um, and you have to know your neighborhood. You have to know your family and where you live. And um, if it's not safe for your child to be outside playing with toy guns because there's real violence going on in your neighborhood or your city, then, you know, don't have them do it outside or make sure that yours is bright orange and looks like a piece of Laffy Taffy. Yeah. You know, you got to make sure. <laughs> I mean, I, this yeah. is yeah, joking, it's... but it's absolutely serious. Yeah. Because children are shot and killed in real life who police think has you know a toy they think it's a real gun or something yeah the, so, some of the and, some of the the toy ones they're so realistic looking and and some of them they'll, they'll maybe have a a bright orange tip on them uh as the the only indicator that that it that it might not be real um so yeah the bright colored stuff is is absolutely a necessity i think if if that's going to be your your option um for, well, for like, those things again think we're Think where you live. Yeah. Think what's okay. Think about your kid. Think about all those things and what makes sense for you. But there may be boundaries. Like this you can play in the basement only or this you can play indoors. But it's not safe for you to have it outside. Yeah. Um, then there's kids. Like I have a child who, who loves all kinds of weapon play, but he's also a history um, buff. And so he doesn't like you know, neon green uh-huh. <laughs> and orange type toy weapons. He he, he studies um, the Revolutionary War and wants his to be brown and, you know, make it look just like the soldiers and uh-huh. enhances his idea of the play. And so he will go ahead and get his paints out and paint things. Oh, I love this kid. 
Um, and but you know, then it matters at the size of it and the shape of it, and is it is it the so he has some squirt guns that were see through, and inside you know they're see through plastic, and you uh-huh. can see the inside there how they work, and they're blue and different colors inside. But he he got his paints out and painted them gray, so they'd look much more realistic. Well, they're still a toy. Mm-hmm. You can totally see that they're a toy, but in his mind. Not having them be bright colors was essential to his um, play that day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, in general, you, I would say you don't need ones that make the noises, rat a tat tat or whatever it is, um, or take the batteries out of the lightsaber. The kids can have much more fun. They'll think they need the batteries, uh-huh. but they'll have much more fun if they make the noises themselves because it's really fun to go. You know. Yeah. You're better at it than I am. I practice quite a bit. Um, yeah. I, 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 I love, and, and sometimes I, I like the DIY as well uh, because, like your son, some kids know what they want and then they, they go about gathering the materials and the tape and the glue and the, the cardboard tubes or the wooden dowels or whatever it is or, or Legos and then, and then building the, uh, the thing they've seen in the history book or, or on the TV show or in their imagination. And that whole creative process of it adds a, a another layer of depth to this this kind of play i've seen kids spend yeah. hours creating their either realistic or mythical weapons before the play actually actually even begins and uh and and so when we can we can do things to to support that side of it we're we're, we're giving them a a yeah. gift as well yeah cardboard is wonderful we save pretty much all cardboard in this house and, and tubes like poster tubes mm-hmm. and Toilet paper tubes, all those kinds of things are, are great. Um, and then get some poster paints. Yeah. <laughs> I've also found that, um, um, you know, a glue gun can be great. I mean, you might need supervision. It's hot. But trying to – we've created some pretty intricate things out of cardboard. And uh, it's it, it's coming from their imagination. It's part of their play. It's um, it's realistic to their view of things, and it's 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 creative in its own right. And these things can last a while, and then they can get repaired. And you always have new cardboard coming into the house. Yeah, and, and they're always going to be coming up with new ideas until they they move on to another kind of play. And so, so the 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 short life of of some of the DIY stuff is uh, is probably a a feature, not a bug, in a lot of situations for for this kind of play. Hey, we're coming up on our on our usual episode length should we uh should we come back and dig some more into into this kind of stuff i think we could talk more about the 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 learning that's going on because we didn't get into some of the physical stuff and and uh, the planning and all that kind of stuff that goes on when you're when you're going into battle uh i'd, I'd like to talk some about the uh, the the symbolism of weapons play a weapon as as a symbol of power and leadership and control and all those kind of things i think there's going to be more to unpack on this topic and feature yeah. Yeah. in future episodes. Sound good? Yeah, and there's also, if you are um, a parent who's thinking, well, it sounds sort of convincing, but I'm still not sure, and I'm not sure where to draw boundaries or how to start, I think we should um, 
have have some chance to talk about those things too. Yeah, yeah. So there, though, we'll be back with more of this because it is it is a big, sometimes uncomfortable topic, and and we'll we'll pick it some, apart some more in in future episodes. This this has been Renegade Rules, and we are thankful for you listening. Hey, Heather, tell them tell them where if they can find the next book that's coming out. It's it's not a early childhood book, but there's another book on the way pretty soon. You want to do a little plug? Well, I'll give a couple of plugs. One is if you're if you're thinking about weapon play, since that's what we're the topic today, mm-hmm. there's there's just chapters and chapters on it, and it's okay not to share, and it walks you through a lot of things. So this may be a handy resource for your classroom or your daycare center or your home. Um, but yeah, then I have another book coming out, and it's coming up in March, um, a book for eight to twelve year olds, and it's a mystery adventure called The Griffins of Castle Carry. It sounds very exciting, and I can't wait to uh, sit with a flashlight and read it while I'm going to sleep some night. I'm looking <laughs> forward to it. Oh, hey, thank you, Heather. Thanks for, uh, for, uh, for, for talking to me about this topic. Thank you, listeners, for joining in and listening. Back soon with another episode. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Music by Alexander Shoemaker. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.